Hi, welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast. My name is Andrew Romeo, and I'd like to welcome my co-host as well, Anthony Sapunzas. Today, we interviewed Melanie Francis. Melanie is the co-founder of Fine Book Beauty um, and began her tech journey as a non-tech. She really didn't have the capacity to deliver her own technology. And through this podcast, you'll learn about what approach she took to actually get to the outcome of now having a MVP in the marketplace um, and continuing to grow that product and looking to raise capital behind it. Um, During that journey, Melanie had some twists and turns and trials and tribulations in terms of um, working with advisors and different tech teams. Um, And eventually, as she would say, got lucky, but I would say had more experience, Um, found a, a team that she could get along with that actually knew what her vision was and were able to deliver upon it. Enjoy the podcast. Melanie shares some fascinating insights, and I'm sure you will get a lot out of it. Hi, guys. Um, welcome to the podcast. Um, Andrew and Anthony here, and we've got a special guest, Melanie Francis, with us today. Melanie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Um, Melanie first started her journey in digital uh, with Fine Books Beauty, and that's a startup that you went into. So. Love to just have a bit of a, a chat about that and your journey through that process and what sort of learnings you found. So tell us a bit about Fine Book Beauty. Okay, um, Fine Book Beauty is the same as similar to Airbnb, but okay. for beauty services. Mm-hmm. I always think you know one word explanations is the best way to get things rolling. But essentially, we help beauty professionals and specializing with independent beauty professionals, helping them get customers, manage those booking and giving them a platform to collect payments and protect them from those late cancellation fees. Okay, so and in terms of that, that product now, that's operational or is it still in startup sort of mode? Um, yes, that's been operational for the last two years. Okay. So I first did an MVP, uh, a very basic MVP using Squarespace and some other plugins that I would like research up about and start pl- plugging in you know, and paying lots of monthly fees to get mm-hmm. that working. And then we did a custom build on that um, on using, you know, a full Laravel framework yep. um, with WordPress as well, just for the blogging part mm-hmm. and full customized platform for the full booking. It's a booking engine capability as well. So, yeah, nice. okay. um, so yeah, we launched that last year in November. So it's had 12 months mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. in product, in um, bookings and everything. Okay. So was the full custom build just to move away from like the monthly fees that you're paying or was it to try and set up another business with the booking engine? Well, well, the thing is with, with the plugins, it just wasn't working the way I wanted. So for example, like I had to, I still had to manually pay out each person. I didn't get the benefit oh, okay. of the automation. So now obviously I have the full payout yep. set up those, you know, like all those benefits like Stripe and everything didn't. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to do the connects and everything like that yeah. on the square space sort of side. It was just, you know, very early stage MVP product that yep. had limitations. Yeah. Oh, very good. Cool. So when you developed the Squarespace site, was that done by yourself or did you get some people helping you do that? I did it myself nice and job. I had well my <laughs> and I had my sister is a software engineer mm-hmm. as well. Like she was studying at the time, she wasn't like any tech, but yep. she helped with some HTML. Um, you know, because we wanted to customize as well the Squarespace. Um, and then I started really getting into it and reading a lot of forums and applying the plugins and finding plugins. As I was seeing her do it, 
I was like trying to mimic her behavior a lot, yeah. but I didn't really know that I was even into tech because I didn't even know how to build a website, let alone what was Squarespace at that time. And she said, you know, you can just use this thing to get it up. Um, and then I started really getting into reading a lot of forums and realizing a lot of people in dev, that's what they sit there and do. Yep. <laughs> a lot of research. <laughs> It's all about I research and asking me, questions. No, <laughs> no. That's what a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. How research. long have you been developing, Anthony? Oh, it's twelve and, years. You know, been doing this. snippets of code yeah. over yeah. there and like pushing yeah. it into there and going, is it going to work or isn't it going to work? Yeah, that's exactly bit. the process. <laughs> <laughs> Until you've done that a few times, you know that little bit of code works. Yes. And you start all over yeah. And then again. you're like, it's broken. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, I've broken the whole site and it's <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. Oh. And you just left a comma out or something very simple. Yes, but that's fine because I've seen people now in my team also do that as well. Yeah. So now yes. I'm not feeling so bad about myself that yeah. I'm not that. Not <laughs> oh, no, no. That happens to everyone. It's just development. That's what happens. Yeah. yeah. So when you went down the, um, all right, so you got this Squarespace site, you got some uh, limitations around what it was. You decided to jump into, let's build something custom. What made that decision come about? Was it the limitations or was it your sister sort of guiding the fact that, okay, we can probably do this better? Yeah, I think... I think for me at that point, I felt like that MVP product was good, but I really couldn't test out like the payout, you know, the payment, which is what investors really care about is, are you getting bookings? Yes. And I, and then the other problem was that every time we got a booking, we would have to call the artist and see, are they free? And then there was like this whole manual process mm -hmm. to it. And I was working full time at the same time and I was doing this at night so it's not like I could just call at a normal time and go hey this person is free at this time like it would be a lot of back and forward um I did consider you know things like share tribe everyone was saying oh that that might be the way but I think everything seemed like it had like that I was reading it had its limitations like it could never get you to it could never get you to really test what would be the product in the way I saw it which was very much like Airbnb. So that's why I was like, okay, I think I have to go to the custom route because I'd had a few bookings. So I'd mm -hmm. proved mm -hmm. up in the MVP. I'd done a lot of questionnaires as well where everyone was saying like 90% of the market was saying, yes, we would use this product. Um, so for me, it was like, I really need to get a real MVP mm -hmm. with real ability to collect money rather than tell people, yes, I did this booking, which was not captured within a data. So okay. from an investment point of view as well, that you need to show, yes, the data is there and I am collecting, um, not just in Excel that I was like, you know. It's yeah, a custom process, yeah, you want to follow it all through, get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now you're in that position, you're basically, all right, we need to build something for ourselves. What was your next step? Did you go out find a development team? What did you do? Yeah, that was like one of the hardest things. Um, so me and my sister, we started basically Googling everyone in Australia. Okay. Yep. And then we started like searching for, you know, um, we started looking at if we liked their website first yes. <laughs> and if their websites looked really good or not. Uh -huh. And then we started like, and then um, because my sister was a software engineer, I was very lucky. So she actually put together a... Um, documentation with mm -hmm. wireframing that she'd drawn up because okay. she'd learned that first semester of uni nice. <laughs> that was probably the first thing you learned so she put together this really nice document saying you know this is what we want to achieve and these would be the features and it was easy to understand and she started sending that around 
um, to a lot of the development team in Sydney, in okay. Mel- Melbourne as well. Mm-hmm. We reached out to, um, and then some people came back and some people didn't because the development teams, I think we were reaching out to, like they were either very big or yes. they didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So I would think many people maybe don't get responses when they do reach out to development teams for these kind of projects because ours looked much more serious than a non-tech person would yes. look what I would put out, which would be a couple of lines, you know? Yep. And we had put out a document saying, and we'd even said, this is a deadline we want you to submit by, um, which, and and it, it got back some responses. Yes. And we started meeting with those people um, and it was, the prices were very, very varied and very high. So we obviously talked to AppStar at the time because AppStar yep. was like, such a big company back then. Yep. We got quoted like, you know, anywhere from 250,000 to 500,000 with AppStar. Okay. Yeah, big numbers when you're looking at a startup, right? And <laughs> just trying to build an MVP. Yeah, get it. Yeah, so that was like, okay. So I didn't really know what to expect at that time because you don't know how much does an app cost as a non-tech mm, person. Yep. And either did my sister. Um, and then we also got quoted, you know, 60. We also got quoted in the middle of that. So there was a lot of yes. different variations in that um the next did you understand why the variations existed or yeah you were pretty much unknown as to what no i didn't know okay. i don't think as a non-tech person you can really understand yeah. like now i can reflect and i would ask different mm-hmm. questions such as yes how many people are you going to have in my team who are you going to put mm-hmm. on how much time i was kind of um i could see that in australia there was not going to be any dedicated team at all okay projects it was okay. going to be yep. days that were going to be allocated now reflecting back, mm-hmm. I understand it in a different way. But back then, mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, different people had different prices. At that point, I started becoming, um, I've started asking about the framework that mm-hmm. they're going to use. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Australia was pushing WordPress like crazy. These smaller firms, mm-hmm. be, like um, not AppStar, obviously, because they're in the mobile. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, but um, WordPress was being pushed a lot mm-hmm. to me. And I always... I was very reluctant of WordPress because I was kind of, in my mind, I was like, well, Airbnb didn't use WordPress, you know, so why am I being pushed WordPress? Yep. And if WordPress was so good, why didn't we have the top e-commerce and marketplace app that I've known mm-hmm. use WordPress? So, but I was being saying that, you know, WordPress can do everything and it, and it, and, it, and it, WordPress can absolutely do everything now that I look back, yep. but it wasn't the right, you know, framework mm-hmm. for the kind of product I wanted, the kind of customization I wanted, the back end would never look like what I needed for my business, but I was being definitely pushed that way mm-hmm. um, because people were very used to working on WordPress. So when you're building out these kind of ideas that are unique and everything, and you're sometimes approaching development companies that only do websites, they don't have the potentially this kind the of experience. to deliver that, right? So... And you mentioned that there, they, they will push what they're used to doing. So um, like for us, we're .NET and app developers. So predominantly mm. the frameworks we're working mm-hmm. is .NET, .NET. Um, because that's what we know. Yeah, we wouldn't um, suggest anything else. that's what we're proficient else. in. Um, and we're predominantly targeting more of a, a, a corporate world. So that's that's where we mm. position ourselves. So to mm. um, so come to us, you'll probably get a .NET application uh, wrapped up with um, a React Native application that's that's our pocket and that's what we're efficient in um, if you're going to a wordpress developer yes they'll basically say yeah we can do it in wordpress and they can they can <coughs> deliver it in wordpress yeah. but 
if you're looking to build an MVP, it may be an option for you because it's. Yeah. But you need to be prepared okay. to say, okay, we're going to build an MVP, but maybe we might have to scrap this in a year or two mm-hmm. to build a scalable model. That is an option for a startup. It is. Yeah, yeah and then if you're approaching web developers to develop your platform, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're going to be focused around that and any sort of web-based CMS that they work with. Yeah. That's going to be their focus. There's a, exactly. there's a big difference between what we say as development and what they say as development. Yes. Exactly. I, I think I think at that time I had no idea why. Like now, mm. I know that WordPress, if the the backend would never have su- suited me. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the the benefit of WordPress, and I love WordPress for what it offers for e-commerce solutions or like you know businesses. That yep. what I needed, the kind of data I needed, I needed ghost log in from the back and I wanted it to be really easy for me to you know have those kind of features and that was a very custom thing that I was looking for that journey I was looking for so but I think I think with me now I look back maybe I wasn't even clear very much what that was it's always hard for you know anyone at the beginning when they've got an idea or they want to do something it's easy to say oh they're just pushing WordPress on me maybe it was also my part of how it all looked wasn't clear because you're about to go through the journey of mm-hmm. doing that wireframing, right? You don't yep. absolutely know. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's something happened. I was confused about, I think every non-tech founder will be confused. Oh, what frameworks do I use? Mm-hmm. What do I do? I think you got to trust the team that you end up choosing to lead you down that path. Um, I think that's really important that that team that you choose, if they're experts, they will guide you and you just need to choose the right team and that choice is about chemistry about who you feel comfortable with it doesn't it's not about who i think is the most tech you know uh savvy or anything like that because that was the big learning was for me was that you know i did make wrong choices in going with teams because i was like oh i'm non-tech i have to trust other people to make that decision but business comes down to always that relationship and the one that you can trust and the one that you can gel with is mm. probably the one that's going to take you through and get that execution right yeah and that relationship is key you have to get that right you have to be comfortable with the team you're working with and they have to be able to be comfortable with you as well exactly so you can solve problems as they come up and do what's needed and not just be, push an agenda like yeah, you're saying some of them were it's important that you can have trust in the team that you're working with because there are going to be challenges that come up where Things don't work, don't go to plan, and you have to have that trusting relationship where you can share openly and say, um, listen, this is not going in the direction we think. We might have to change tack here. And it has to be a, a working collaborative relationship. So if you're looking to build some tech, that's some of the advice I put out there. Look at some collaborative relationship that you can share. And it's a good, good point, Mel, that you made there because in the end, it is a, a very collaborative thing, especially in the startup world. You don't really know... Um, yeah. what you don't know so you're you're devi- defining the product as you go so you've got to be open to to be flexible in it yeah your team has to be flexible too so if you're engaging with a team that's rigid and just wants to do xyz and doesn't want to change that can be problematic as well so it is a fine balance there yeah. and budgets are important and cost but it's not solely related to who's going to give me the cheapest development mm. which we see a lot of people coming to us as well exactly like I think, you know, what happened with me was so because I was non-tech and my sister's patience and love for me was running out <laughs> pretty quickly that, you know, I think you if you don't pay your, you know, if you're not paying someone for that yep. um, help, mm-hmm. 
it runs out pretty quick. And I, I think, you know, um, looking back, like you shouldn't depend on that free help for far too long because it becomes a burden on that person, no matter who they are, even if they're your, you know, yep. blood. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to, at that point, when I came to finally making that decision of who I go with, um, she was like, you know, she had to focus on a uni. So I had to, I was like scared to make that decision because I was so confused by all the frameworks and what people were saying. So I had to actually engage um, a tech advisor to come on board with me and start taking these interviews and help me choose a team. Right. Yeah, good move because... Yeah, trying to decide on something you don't know is very challenging. So, um, yeah, what type of advisor did you get on board? Tell us a bit about them. So I got a he was he was sort of like a CTO level for like BP. He'd done um, he'd managed um, remote offshore um, teams in okay. IT before. He was quite you know senior in his he was into the more project management at this time in his career. I would okay. think um, mm -hmm. and probably left. I reckon he would have left behind programming maybe 20 years ago now looking, okay. you know, at okay. his. So, Did you find that so challenging he, that he wasn't up to speed with the technology itself? I found that he was very good at creating the documentation okay. that would yep. be able to and set up in JIRA, mm -hmm. which then would enable the programmers to really understand what to do. Okay. That's so what yeah. really his strength was. And he, he would be able to review code but you know when you review other people's code everyone codes a little bit differently like mm -hmm. he, he can say that looks pretty clean or that looks okay just comment it out but um he was he could look on a high level but he wasn't okay. like he was no by no means at that point in his career programmer i think the stacks had moved on he wasn't able to tell me you know like the stack that i was offered was a co was code igniter stack on my first build um mm -hmm. on my first custom build because i had to build it the second time by the way because <sighs> okay. my first programmers didn't uh, wasn't able to deliver which mm -hmm. my tech advisor found me okay so mm -hmm. so so what they used on that yeah. there so what were some of the challenges that you found was it the technology that was picked was it the team that wasn't able to deliver what was the challenges that you found um I think the team was not capable and uh, maybe the framework is obviously the, you know, a bit older framework now that I got advised on that much later that there was better frameworks and better means being able to build it quicker, you know, like yeah. there's more libraries available in Laravel, for example, and much mm -hmm. more quicker to put together pieces. So better as in more improved. But um, let's talk about, so my advisor came on my tech advisor came on and because i was paying him a large sum he said look we can go remote because i'm here so i'll manage the remote team for you and i'll find the remote team we don't need to use australian team right now because i'm here you know okay like I to... yep get it so so i've got the australian person that's tech that yes. will oversee the, so I, you know, obviously me, I didn't have the confidence to go direct mm -hmm. with this team who I've never been through it. But now that I've got this person that I'm paying a large consultancy fee to, I thought that would make sense that, you know, and I think Andrew, you've done that. And you've said, you know, yep. like people have engaged you to look over teams that are working mm -hmm. overseas yes. so that they, I think that's a great way for founders. Like if they do want to go offshore, like if they don't feel comfortable, they mm -hmm. can use someone else and I was looking for that kind of structure so that's what I used and he okay. found me a team in um, Kolkata India yes and I was very excited about working with Kolkata because they spoke 
Bengali, which was the same language that I had been, you know, had in my family home. So I thought, yeah. oh, well, communication won't be an issue. Mm -hmm. That's a great barrier. I can talk to them in my own language. Yes. But it didn't matter so whether you speak the same language or not, because what ended up happening, it wasn't a communication issue because I could speak to them in my own mm -hmm. language. It was, I think they picked up a lot of junior developers mm -hmm. and put the t dedicated team together for me. And mm -hmm. these guys were just, you know, stuck on, maybe they didn't, they didn't put the right team, like they didn't have mm -hmm. a JavaScript developer and that was quite important mm -hmm. in how things moved. And they were just always stuck on, you know, things like booking tools and how to do customization as per, as per my vision, they were always stuck. They were just trying to find solutions that were already developed from the, um, you know, mm -hmm. from the galleries okay. that were yeah. in that framework. That kind of, they just didn't have that technology yeah, experience. Experience, yes. yes. Experience was lacking in yeah. this yeah. space. We find that a little bit. Um, we've been exposed to that, like you mentioned. Um, we've been brought in and advised on projects that have gone pretty sour um, with overseas tech teams. And the ones that generally don't work are the ones that bring on little to no experienced developers. They're very junior. They jump into stuff that they don't really know. One example was a Unity project. This company had never done any Unity development, game development before. And they they said, that, oh, we've got a senior guy. And we ended up finding Unity out that developer. Yeah, this senior guy had three or four years experience in, uh, what was it, PHP Programming development. PHP or yeah, and he had no Unity yeah. development experience. Um, and, and then been, he's managing two juniors underneath him, and it's like no one has any experience on this team. So, so when we first ask, is a, a unit lead Unity developer? Is yes. what he was being touted as? Yes. So yeah. we, we've also seen the less qualified people being brought into teams, like you had experience yourself, mm -hmm. and we've also seen from Eastern Europe highly experienced teams who just ignore us. Yes. So they know what they're doing, but they ignore us. Yeah. So they won't and they communicate do themselves, and they don't communicate. Yeah. Yeah. So you either communicate oh, wow. a lot and they don't want, they don't know what to do, or you can't communicate yeah, and they yeah, think they yeah, know what yeah. to do. Yes. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's so that's so interesting that you say that. That's what I that's what I experience as well in even in my in my developers in my top developers. It's like mm -hmm. they don't need to talk. <laughs> they don't want to talk <laughs> probably. <laughs> but we need yeah. to talk to understand what you are and where you are. Yeah. Yes. You know? So that's yeah the difference between a, a purely dedicated developer and someone that's more of a BI a business analyst, project manager, consultant, and can step out a bit mm. and understand what yeah. the code means with what the requirements are. I, I want to give one tip, I guess, while we're talking, what yep. was the issue that I now look back to that team because I trusted blindly, but mm. that team lead or the seat, you know, the person of that um, team that was the CEO of that IT agency, he was non-tech, okay? okay? So as in non-tech to the point that I think he was just a business person. Like he didn't have the ability to set up, you know, maybe Jira. He didn't have any kind of, mm -hmm. when I look back, tech. But what I was attracted to because he was a founder of um, a particular business already, I thought, you know, maybe he knows and he's done his own product. And that's what everyone's always attracted to, that someone's executed before. So that's why mm -hmm. I went with him. But what I soon realized was that, I would definitely recommend like if you went with an IT agency that at least, you know, one of the CEOs and one of the CTOs, they should be a programmer um, with a business acumen or they've got a partner in business as well. Like, you know, 
like me and my business partner, like I, yes, I'm the business person, but I understand tech and he is a tech person, a programmer, but he understands business. Mm-hmm. I, the IT agency I went with originally, he was just a business person, you know, like he was just like knew how to buy time. That was okay. what I, yeah, so I that's selling time. <laughs> okay. Get it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was, I think maybe I would, I relied so heavily on my mm. advisor at the time to pick the right team and it's it's a luck thing you know as well it's not i can't blame him he thought that he was putting a good team together Mm -hmm. um but yeah that was something i would give other people that just make sure that that one of the ceos or one of the really leads that are in that that are going to be part of your project management team are a programmer and someone that you get along with Mm. as well okay oh you said luck there sometimes i don't believe it's luck i think it's more um you don't know what you don't know. And given that state where you are, your advisor was more of a, a project manager, he wouldn't know um, the capability of what's been delivered. Um, sometimes you don't know mm. the questions technically to ask a person or a technical person to get an understanding of the level of quality. Yeah, um, it's been a long time since he was yes, a developer. So, I see yeah. there's, there's obviously a gap there clearly that he was out of the development framework for quite a long time. So, um, yes, great person to have on board, but also with the way we operate and i think we mentioned you we've got some overseas developers now but we've got some really experienced tech guys in our business in melbourne um seven eight ten twelve years plus development experience that actually design engineer everything and pass it over Um, so then a developer knows exactly the steps and what they need to do and how they need to do it and we can actually qualify and verify what's delivered so there's a different level when you can actually qualify what you're getting back. So if you don't know standards, you don't understand how things should be developed, you don't understand talking about continuous um, improvement in your, your development, people aren't learning, people aren't evolving the way they deliver. Um, if mm. you can't pick up on that, then you're going to have a lot of challenges. So, And if you do have a team of juniors like that has been given to you that you've taken on, yes. they need to have a senior yes. who is a tech lead to help them when they're stuck. So what was yep. happening with my, this team was they would get stuck, right, mm. and be like, I'm stuck on this yes. situation. And they couldn't turn to their CEO in their business because their bus- that person wasn't no technical. a yep. programmer, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And they couldn't turn to me, mm. but what they could turn to was my advisor, and everyone would okay. turn to him. But he hadn't been in the pro- like he was hadn't programmed at that point twenty okay. years. In his- yep. And he give guidance, and he would say research this or mm-hmm. research that. But right now, for example, mm-hmm. like with my business partner or with my tech team leads, they are seven eight years experienced. Mm. You know, they've come across so many. They've built so many program enterprise level programs that they yes. can sit and give. Someone needs to be able to give the juniors, like if that team, maybe that team that I had wasn't so bad with mm-hmm. the right person. Yeah, right management, right? Yeah. Guiding them. Because when you get yeah. stuck as a programmer, you need mm-hmm. that you need that assistance to be mm-hmm. able to push you back and tell you how it works and give you some drawings that, you know, this yes. is how you need to resolve it. And then you can probably continue on. Because when you get stuck as a programmer, you could get stuck a week or you could get stuck for like an hour and you yep. could get up. So... That was the big learn for me. That, okay. um, yeah, not very good. Yeah, you need to have that expertise you can rely on and call back to just a different way of thinking or they've already had that problem before and being able to help you solve it. Exactly. And, and that's why I think I don't love the freelance 
model myself because that one person if is building for you and you think that's cheap and that's good i don't know what that one person if they're stuck they're sick or whatever happens mm. to them what could like the risk of i got you know screwed from a three-person team mm-hmm. and imagine you know i just couldn't imagine and having that one person and that one freelancer will definitely take on multiple jobs mm. it will not be your project only that they would be so they would be spreading themselves one person across multiple things so you would potentially get very little time so i'm always very now wary of freelancers and one person teams or two person teams because yeah it's just kind of yeah i've not had a great experience and i had a bigger team than that you know yep. when i first to do my MVP. Yeah, get it. So, some good learning there in terms of, yeah, some tips there as well. Look at a team that's got some expertise. They've actually delivered some products. They've got some quality um, experience within their teams. They can have juniors, like you said, but yeah, you need someone that's got some expertise, that's yeah. got years of experience and delivered. Yes. Um, some, yeah, some like at least seven plus, I always mm-hmm. think is a good, you know, number in my mind now after oh. looking. But when you get to that level, you've you've seen a lot of things, you've solved a lot of problems, and it's not about the technology anymore, it's about the problem solving. So yeah. provided yeah. that you've got those problem solving skills, you can go and find a solution and you know yes. how to actually think about a solution. I think that comes up a lot with you, Anth, where yeah. um, a couple of our, our junior guys, and our junior guys are three or four years of experience, we don't have anyone less than that at the yeah. moment, um, but they might ask, they might get stuck and then Anthony just knows another way to just think about it or Gordon exactly. pops in. Yeah, just someone's yeah. seen something different or yes. just they haven't considered that because they're just going down the one path. Yes. Yeah. It's all about just someone that can think. And that happens it. to me too. I can get stuck on the same path just because that's how I think sometimes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So now you're in a position where you've basically tried all these teams um, you've gone overseas, that didn't work. What was your next step? So you've got this three, man, three or four man team that you've managed um, that failed, Code Igniter, now you've gone yeah. um, to Laravel. Yeah. How did you approach the next team that you went about going? Yeah, so I had to, so I learned the Jira programming, I learned to review code in that um, amount and then I had to fire everyone. And it was <laughs> the... Okay most depressing like i was so scared what do i do now i've got this code and mm-hmm. um yeah i didn't i was so and someone told me about upwork at that time so at this point i was like oh okay i might try this other method but i was like so shit scared at this time going what do i do but i'd spent so much money in this advisor and in this tech team and I'd lost you know a whole lot of money like not small money like we're talking you know um close to fifty thousand dollars at this time had gone from my pocket so there was no way you're not the you're not the only one that's gone through that so yeah it's scary to think that there's so many tech founders that or non-tech founders that are looking to build product and just um spend it on the wrong teams building the wrong things and just it's completely wasted but there's one thing you can get out of it. There's a learning experience that you've actually paid yeah. for, um, and which will step you forward to the next step. So, I think that's the best way to look at it. Mm. Is like I learned a lot, yes. you know, and that's what made and the resilience of being able to go again on the same product. Yes, I think you know is so. I went to Upwork first, okay. and I put out my tender on mm-hmm. that because I was very clear on my storyboard. So I had the whole Jira 
everything had been written very clearly with designs attached to each story. Okay. And um, I received like four, like, you know, 200 or something applications, something ridiculous. And I didn't trust anyone because I'd been so burnt. So I just kind of asked all the top, I don't know, 20, that if anyone would do a free trial for me. And everyone obviously refused thinking like, that's like mad. But then this one person was like, okay, I'll do you a free trial for like a week or something. And I was like, okay, cause I just wanted to see and test them out. Cause I was like, so scared to lose mm-hmm. any more money. Mm-hmm. And um, he ended up, you know, the fact that he did the free trial made, gave me so much confidence, confidence. Yeah. confidence. And then we ended up getting along and um, I, I don't know. It was just like the fact that he was the only one that was willing to understand the situation I was in. So I knew then at that point already, because so many people had reviewed the code that the code was unusable and that we would have to, you know, rebuild from scratch. And he did show me some fixes of the, you know, code igniter. He showed me some stuff, gave me confidence. And then I ended up just going and just taking a punt and saying, you know what, let's see if this works or not. And I will pay him when, you know, he reaches this objective and this objective and this objective, which was kind of what I was kind of doing with my previous team. But this was kind of, you know, I think I was just like, oh, if it fails, like it's not going to be as expensive as, as it is on my first go. Because okay. um, I was just trying to, you know, protect myself at this point. Yeah. Um, do I think Upwork is great? No, I think I got lucky mm-hmm. at that point. <laughs> I think it was like I had so much bad luck that something had, you know, gone in the right direction that I'd found a good partnership. Um, and I think that partnership was only good because we were we became friends in that development and we became trusted um, and we had a good chemistry, good connection, good understanding. He knew what I'd been through, was very empathetic to worlds me losing all that money, me being, you know, and he wanted to show that the programmers, there are good programmers out there. And he wanted to present the tech as a a tech team, a better tech team for the tech community. And he was very passionate about tech community. And there was just a couple of things he said, which I really think that, you know, sometimes you've got to listen out for when you're choosing that right partner, things that I would never have expected from anyone in Pakistan. He was from Pakistan. um, And it was like my least preferred country because um, originally Bangladesh and Pakistan didn't get along, but you've got to push all that stuff to the side and think about chemistry. And he said to me that he was very focused on trying to get a team. uh, He had a very small team, three or four, and he was trying to get a balance in women and females in his team, um, which really appealed to me that someone from there is trying to do that. And he's like, you know, I always try and get my QA in one program if I can to be women so we don't have bias in our program and that that's something that you know he was really passionate about and he just kind of dropped that in as in a very normal conversation not trying to sell anything but it was just like a and I really liked that that I felt like wow he's thinking so much beyond um like it showed me who he is as a person and what kind of person I'm dealing with and it gave me confidence and he ended up actually getting um my custom build um, up and launch within three months, which was exceptional, uh, exceptional for the amount of features I think um, that the you know platform has. Maybe because some of it was already built, you could see some of it. That's why it was uh, looking back so fast. Because I don't want anyone to again come to me and say build my marketplace in you know in three, three months. months. With that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in three in three months features. But um, mm-hmm. 
he did he did an exceptional job he was an exceptional programmer he went to a top university there um, you know very experienced team everyone had five years plus that had three you know three programmers dedicatedly working with the QA um, so I had a JavaScript program I had a front end and then I also had a two back end programmers with five years so you can see the kind of quality mm. team I had who were very experienced in um, the Laravel Vue.js at the front so just a really you know top quality team that just sat there and went for it and punched it punched it out and they put all other projects to the side to really help me get this um, get this launch and I love that I love the dedicated model when people do work for you that dedicatedly and they're not taking on other projects so it was really successful and the product that went out is something that you know is people look at it and go wow I can't believe that was built in three months and um, so yeah they did really well I do think Andrew I did get lucky on Upwork I will say that <laughs> I was a bit of luck, but you you would have had some experience and learning. So that first week, you would have been assessing based on what you got previously. You've obviously exactly out some more information around Jira and what your expectations were. You've, you've, your product had been exactly. more defined. Um, so you got to understand that that is also important. So that week, maybe you got the wrong person again, but you probably would have picked it up pretty quickly, um, given the fact that what you've been through. So yeah, sometimes it's luck, but it's also a lack of i think you're right andrew like now if i used upwork i know how to screen i yes. know what questions i would ask you yeah. know i was very very specific at that one week um that we had the free trial that yeah. one one thing that need, needed to be resolved was the calendar functionality which that team was stuck on for like almost two months and i wanted to see the delivery of the calendar functionality working very smoothly um and they that mean that meant they needed a very good javascript programmer on board and they had that so if they didn't have that maybe they couldn't yeah you're right i think i think giving tasks where i found things that were challenging was an experience that let me give one task and let me see if they can achieve it and that was from project management learning how to test teams for um outcomes yeah and it's all about skill based the only thing that you you may um get a little bit stuck with there is not knowing how long things should take um, what gave, yes. what gave you the opinion that it would take a week to fix this? That would be the biggest question I ask because some people may not know how to assess that. Yeah, I, I, I knew that it couldn't be done in a week, right? So I knew okay. that it was going to be longer. But the fact was, can yep. he show me progress? Progress, and, all right. Mm -hmm. And so if he resolved that in a week, he would yes. maybe that, that, that's too much work because mm -hmm. it was, you know, a pretty, that was one of the hardest functionalities I knew. But the fact that he was able to, show progress and show yes. this has been fixed this has been done so you could assess that this person can get there because if they've achieved this in mm -hmm. one week it's yep. probably another 10 days left until they mm -hmm. can really finish it so that's what i was assessing and i think okay. this is from experience in tech and seeing the journey three four months before and how that previous advisor was you know testing them and everything i think it's an experience thing that comes with okay they've gotten here it's this is the last leg of it it's only just a few more tweaks there, but the functionality is coming and something is happening yep. um, when I press this and press that. So that's an experience thing, I think. So at this point, you've um, lost the advisor as well? Yeah, right? the advisor was gone as well because I, I felt like he told me not to fire that team and keep going with that um, route. Okay. okay. And, mm -hmm. he, and I just felt like we're not on the same page yep. anymore. And, and he actually agreed that I'd become, I was able to control the, um, programming and 
Jira so well that he didn't feel like he was adding any more value. Okay, so oh, he okay. actually educated you in that space and you'll be able to take over his sort of step. Interesting. Okay. Okay, yeah, very good. All right. So the advisor's no longer here. He wanted you to stick with the team. Um, sometimes you have to cut your losses, though, so I think commend you for actually taking the punt and actually doing that. So cutting your advisor and then also cutting the team and then starting from scratch, that's a huge risk that you took. But in the end, was it? Um, I think your other options were sticking down the same path where you knew that you weren't getting what you expected. Um, so yeah, sometimes you just got to yeah, cut your losses and move forward. So um, if you're not getting good tech and you're not getting good development, generally what's been, like you mentioned there previously, the code had to be pretty much scrapped. And we've seen this time and time again where the level of the quality um, makes it more problematic to actually stick with the code. So yeah, examples are the codes basically what you've coined spaghetti code where everything's all over the place. Um, you've got copy and pasted features and functions all over the place. There's no reusing yeah. of anything. Yeah. Um, you haven't got any automated testing in your codes. There's a lot of red flags if you don't have any sort of structure and um, sort of following protocol. Mm -hmm. There's no protocol being followed. So that's just for how the code's written. Yeah. Let alone how it's implemented and mm. if it's the right things and if they've understood the requirements correctly. And Exactly. I think there was a lot of copy and paste. Yes. There were so many bugs that would come again and again from one yep. little change. And I think it's not fair on the new team. Like the new teams will always say, yes, we can try and fix it. But now you're just going down the same rabbit hole potentially. And you can't hold anything responsible to the new team because they're just going to always blame the, the previous code. Yeah. code. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, it's the code's fault. Yeah, this the is what we're giving. But it's in reality, I think um, people need to be aware that if you're handing over code that is pretty much should be scrapped, um, you're just trying to hold on to what you've invested into in the past, and yeah. it's going to cause a lot more trouble moving forward. So you need to really say, okay, uh, we've got a good quality team here that can deliver. They're telling us the code isn't great. Um, it's just causing more hassles, and it's worth. Uh, it basically hasn't delivered an outcome really yet. So what's the likelihood of it delivering one now? Um, you just got to reassess where you're coming from. And I think it's really, really important to take take note of what people are telling you. So if you're getting that feedback, listen. Yeah, yeah. It's um, And even when now I see, you know, it's easy for programmers mm -hmm. to say it's not the code that I yes. built. And that's why it's taking me longer to decipher it with someone else's like you know that i'm saying like honestly that's what my own team could mm -hmm. say about the person sitting next to them that they're sitting next to that built the you know yes. whole program yeah. so yeah. imagine <laughs> that's they're sitting next to each other and saying he built it and that's your team lead he built it now you know that's why it's and it's so imagine you know if it's another team mm. and yeah. that they, they can so i think i did the i did the right decision but i also had uh the code reviewed by or other teams who told me that the code wasn't, um, you know, usable. So I had okay. pretty good confidence. Mm -hmm. And those teams were, I also considered Russia and Ukraine um, as, you know, development teams, because I'd heard they were so excellent in their programming at that time. So I considered every avenue and I knew that the code was not usable. And that was by four teams that had confirmed that. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, taking a step back and getting not just one one man's opinion. So it's yeah, good to get a few teams to actually step in and have a look at the code. So the more yeah, mm -hmm. and if you have to pay for that, you know, for someone to look at that, like I think it's worth it to get that 
comfort if you're yes. not yeah you can only make that you're decision. not like technical yourself mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that is it so i think sometimes you know when you've spent that kind of if you're building something this kind of big level enterprise level like yeah, you've just got to be ready that there's going to be out-of-pocket expenses that you can't imagine yeah you just have to have confidence to make those decisions mm. yeah yeah Yep. And if you yeah, if you need to pay a little to get those opinions to give you validation to move forward with what you want to do, then I think sometimes I've had to do that. Yeah. So what's the next steps for fine book beauty? Um, what are so you've obviously got an MVP, you've got things that are actually live and running. Are you continuing yeah. developing that? What are you doing right now? So right now, fine book beauty. The, after we launched the first four months, we just were focused on the product, you know, continuing mm-hmm. to improve as we found out how users were coming on, any yep. kind of issues that they were having. Um, I started pitching the idea. And then um, most recently, we've just signed, brought on a co-founder because I, from Fine Book Beauty, what happened was as I was pitching the idea on the stage, people started approaching me saying, hey, can you build me a marketplace like similar to fine book beauty get it yeah your tech team but we don't want to use your tech team unless you're involved okay because you mm-hmm. you've used them and that's yep. actually something i was never expecting because mm-hmm. my whole thing was you know fine book beauty all the way yes and that's that's my baby so i didn't expect that in the launch of at the point of december that i would be approached to be contracted out to then you know, build other marketplaces and help other founders or help other business owners to launch tech. That was not at all planned. It just happened to land on my lap and it was good contracts, you know, like it wasn't small amounts. And I just took the leap that sometimes this can happen in life where some things come. And um, so I flew over to Pakistan, met my team that had done that done fine book beauty to see is this something viable that I can invest into that we can actually grow and is doesn't make sense what's kind of the infrastructure over there that was something um and I wanted fine book beauty to have its own IT you know um tech team anyway like it would it would it would be a huge differentiator for me in the market to be able to have my fine book beauty have a tech team that could continue to develop it or any kind of issues that it had that I had that mm-hmm. on hand. So when I went there, um, I saw the environment. I got a little bit more closer with um, the with, with with the with the programmer and the founder of the firm. There, they only had like three four people at that time. Yeah, that, that was the full team that built Fine Book Beauty, and mm-hmm. we hung out for like seven eight days. I went there and then I came back, and we decided, yeah, we're gonna do it. And we'd, we'd already landed the contract. It was just me confirming that I wanted to take this journey from bank. My career was, you know, in, in banking and I thought I was going to be the founder of Fine Book Beauty. And that was just going to be the only thing that I would focus on for the next 24 months yes. to all of a sudden, mm-hmm. bam, we're running like an IT agency and then we're delivering. <laughs> That's a bit of a shift, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was like kind yeah. of a bit. But I think I love the whole journey of building product you know because I had such a bad time but it was such a big learn it would be kind of not it wouldn't be fair for me not to continue to do the thing that I've learned which I love is designing every wireframing I love that and then taking it through and you know setting up the projects I think I love that so it just happened to be but now 
that became a pretty real business all of a sudden at, in in the start of the year. And then I, for Fine Book Beauty, it I lost a little bit of distractions for those two months because all of a sudden this is falling on Focus my lap. shift, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and I didn't want that because I wanted fine. I want Fine Book Beauty to be very successful. So, I put out. Um, I put out. You know the no. I put out an ad basically saying I'm looking for a founder in that, and that took two three months to actually do and lockdown. And then the founder came on. Um, so I've been talking to her for like three four months, and she came on about two months ago okay. into the business. And she's now at least there's someone constantly thinking about fine book beauty mm. every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm there as well, but at least I've got some person that's actually running that team of people and helping move that. So our focus obviously for fine book beauty is now that the product is all good, all very scalable. We've got plans to launch fine book beauty into Pakistan because I've got access there and it's a 300 million population. Yes. So okay. we want to see the tech mm-hmm at its scale because mm. Australia is a very small market. It so we've is got not big numbers here, is it? Yeah. Peanut. So 400, so we've got like about 450 users right now yep. in Fine Beauty. Good. We can, yeah, we continue to scale and pick up users mm-hmm. pre, um, every month on month. We are uh, going for book, increasing bookings. We've had an increase in bookings since, you know, its launch every month. We've seen like slight, slight um, increases, but you know, in marketplaces, it's a very chicken and egg game. You've got to have, you have, to have both, yeah. It's always <laughs> and then focus here, yeah. and then come back and focus there, and be like, oh, I can't get bookings on this. I have artists in, you know, Hobart. Okay, now I have to yep. pick up art in Hobart. Then I can advertise. So it's a, it's a, it's a bit long. It's a long-weighted game sometimes. Um, so the game here is that we just want to quickly get some more traction. Yes. To show. Um, to show investors and raise in that. So we're hoping to start our raise next year. So we've continued to fund it ourselves. So my founder has also put in. So we'll continue to bootstrap until we feel like we're at a stage that we're happy with the performance. So you always want to hold back raising until you can't um, feed it anymore. And I don't think we could ever feed this giant. It's very expensive, like with the tech and everything to grow yeah. it. But um, we, we, we plan to raise in it. But right now we're very focused on acquiring as many users as we can and increasing our bookings per month so we can show a great trajectory to our investors. So Mel, you've had people now approach you around building marketplaces similar to what you've done and you've taken a leap and said, all right, let's win a contract. And if you want a contract, now are you building team using the same team what have you done and i know that probably spawned rario which is um, a business that actually helps businesses develop product now so tell us a little bit about that and um, where you're at right now okay so once we won the first contract we had a very small team of you know three people and one thing what we did was we moved office straight away because they were in a co-working space and I really didn't like the space that they okay. were um, in. So we took out uh, an office so we could be independent and build our own culture and our own kind of relaxed office. So that's the first thing we did, which ended up being, I don't know, a very smart idea because it ended up costing some of the team members who weren't happy with moving further away from oh, that particular okay. office. Yep. So all of a sudden I've got this team that I thought was going to follow suite and we're giving a better environment to now having to recruit 
Okay, so the Wasp team is all just moving, basically. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I've got this huge contract now. Yes. <laughs> and now I don't have staff all of a sudden to support and I don't have the FBB team, that amazing team that I thought is going to build this amazing mm. product. So I all of a sudden go into recruitment and I find recruitment very, very difficult um, at, at the beginning because when you are studying a company, people don't know about you. Um, that company had been existing, but we just rebranded to Rario. Yes. That's not, that's not known so much in the market. Um, that was hard, but we recruited, we recruited, we made some errors, recruited again, mm-hmm. became really good at recruiting, <laughs> um, <laughs> recruited a HR manager before recruiting anyone else. Okay. And, um, then we, we, you know, we, we did that a few times, a few big rounds of recruitment, letting people go because they weren't well and then recruiting again. And now we are a team of 16 people yeah, altogether. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I think it's a huge achievement in a very short time in sort of eight months to nine months to, you know, grow. So that project is one, that project is delivered. Um, at MVP, and then we move that project that I would want into custom build, um, which continues and will be released. We then start looking at the projects that my business partner had worked on already for the past five years. He'd already had a business, right? So I wasn't coming in, and uh, we weren't like establishing from zero. He had a strong portfolio. Of yeah, at least work. you've got something there. Yeah, so yeah, it's very, very good to have that credibility. So you yeah. still obviously just. Started Rario with the main tech guy from the original company, uh, yes. but you've lost the, the team members and then started again rebuilding. So you still have that expertise. Um, I still the had team. the pro. Yes, yeah. exactly. I had the business. I had the guy. Yeah, had the guy. <laughs> I had. He's my like. Yeah. So his name's Mohammed, and yeah, he was my business partner, and we were gonna like. We were like, we're gonna do this with mm-hmm. or without anyone. Like, we're gonna build the exceptional team we want to do. So I have. I have him. So me and him only have each other at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, then we hire a HR manager. She sucked, and then we hired another one. She's amazing. Now that we've got these three, like the three of us, doing you know recruitment all the time, yep. um, we then convert some of his other projects that he had okay. had been servicing for five years, and um, I start looking at how to service those. Uh, projects better so how he'd been servicing them is just giving them a couple of hours yes and i start talking to those clients and they were they were all usa clients and i start um convincing them to come on a higher plan which would be less for them per hour but start giving them more dedicated service better service um because what was happening is they were just using that one team to service you know a couple of hours here a couple of hours there and no one was really potentially happy under that model. Whereas now I start converting those projects into, hey, we'll give you a dedicated top senior developer that will work for you and for your business. And they were, um, you know, real estate agent, CRM tools, real estate agent, something like domain.com kind of Mm -hmm. sites in USA that he'd he'd built from scratch. And he'd he'd built this particular project since he was 13. I think my my business partner was fourteen when he picked up this project. So he had this project <laughs> wow. okay. Okay. and built this over, you know, from one strand of code to yep, it yep. being like where it was. So we converted that. 
So we started converting some of these old customers into much more, um, much more like, you know, bigger clients. So they became more high value clients. So that's what I always like to do is check your current book to see what's there. And that's something I'm good at is like uh, relationships and customer relationships. So we start giving them more value. After that, um, I st- we started like actually creating obviously a website, but the portfolio of work he'd done that he'd never displayed anywhere. So we started showing that off to people. Um, I started showing off my design. So I hired a designer and I started doing a lot of UI UX work. And if it was sometimes like a mock-up, I would do that. And people started picking up on that on social. And okay. I started getting, um, I started getting approached through social. So social being dribble, um, people really liked the styling of my designs. It's quite out there. Um, so then I started getting work through the design efforts that I started putting out there. At the same time, remember I'm working full time as well. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you were, what do you do? What were you doing? Or are you still working full time? This is now I was, your full time. Yeah. I was in. I, I've yeah. always helped businesses get access yeah. to finance. So okay. I've always so worked with CEOs, yeah. CFOs, and mm-hmm. so I was helping a lot of businesses get um, get to the next level of growth okay. through giving them capital mm-hmm. and seeing what they're going to do with that capital if if the bank is comfortable. So I was always in banking. Yes. So I started obviously telling my network at that time that I'm doing this kind of stuff, and through that I got a few other um, leads and. Okay projects because someone was like, oh, you know, this person needs an e-commerce site. Do you think you can do it? And I was like, yeah, I think I can do an e-commerce site. I've done a marketplace. Like, I think, I think I I should be right. Um, So it wasn't, so everything that we were being approached on was custom work and it was never, hey, just build me out a website because we were never like pitching that kind of work and my business partner never wanted to do that kind of work. Like I love doing the branding work, but Mm -hmm. it was always like something that had customization is where we really like to work and he loves to work on whether even if it's like building a custom WordPress theme mm. and pushing e-commerce, but some kind of complexity is always there. It's a challenge it. that you're looking to solve, right? So like we're in the same sort of boat. Custom development is, is always a challenge and it's it's ideation, problem solving, and it's yes. pretty inspiring when you can take ideas and then deliver upon them and exactly. have an outcome that you deliver. So. Really, hats off to you for going down the journey and actually um, following it through. Because some people may have said, "No, I'm just sticking with um, Fine Book Beauty." Um, opportunities that came to you now, you've actually ran with. So I think that's yeah, hats off to you. Um, clearly, you're an entrepreneur at heart, so you're looking at always evolving and learning and growing, um, and that's one of the mindsets that you will need if you're going to jump into any sort of startup or tech development. Um, if you don't have that, you're going to find a lot of challenges because you never know where you're going to be. So mm. you basically ended up with code, investing 50 grand into code, and most people may have stopped there. Um, yes. And then you went again. Um, yeah. And then you found a, a team on your own um, and then basically were able to deliver the product to an MVP. Now yeah. you've got users coming on board. Um, and then you took another, another dive um, and actually put yourself out there again. Um, so what I'm learnt, seeing and learning for you, Mal, is you put yourself out there and you figure it out um, as to how you actually deliver it. So anyone that's looking to jump into a tech project, especially non-tech, be aware that you will need to learn and evolve um, and upskill yourself during that journey. Um, it's it's a big journey. Um, 
especially if you're coming from not non-tech backgrounds. But then if you look at the journey from the other end, um, if you are a technical guy um, and you don't have that business acumen or, or that end, you need to learn that or you need to bring people that can actually help you on that end. You, there's two, two parts of this. There's great tech and there's actually selling that tech and getting customers on board. And if you can't do both, you're going to be um, either one, having great tech um, and no one using it, or two, having a great idea and no tech to actually support it. So well done for reaching out and actually finding people to actually deliver it and really cool journey that you're on right now. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for opportunity to speak on, on it and it was great to share. Yeah, and no, I really appreciate it. I know that a lot of people get some value out of this, um, just seeing what sort of challenges you, that may come your way. Um, and I think uh, one of the key points that I, I, I got out of this was when you were presenting um, Fine Book Beauty on a stage, people came up to you and asked you, can you help me do this? Um, if you look at what they did, they basically found someone that actually had done this before, um, that had been through the journey, that had had the problems before and solved them. So yeah. if you're actually a non-tech looking for someone to deliver a product, do the same thing. Go find someone that's had that journey, gone through that experience, um, and will be able to guide you down that path. Because if you're just going at it blind and just hoping that you find yep. the right team, the right advisor, sometimes it doesn't work out. And yeah, in terms yeah. of this story, yeah, it gives you a bit of insight as to what may go wrong. You try and leverage what someone's done before. Yeah. The same way we mentioned earlier with a junior and a senior developer. Mm. The junior ones should leverage what the senior developers know to get ahead. Yes. So Mel, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for um, your time and sharing. Really, really good story in terms of um, your tech journey. So um, really appreciate it. And um, if anyone wants to reach out, um, Mel is Rario. What's your um, website if anyone wants well, to reach out? How can anyone reach you? Sure, reach out on rario.com, R-A-R-E-I-I-O.com. And, and you can look on Melanie Francis as well, M-E-L-L-O-M-E. Francis on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, we'll be sharing this out on LinkedIn so you'll be able to get uh, some details about um, Melanie. Yeah, we'll put them in the comments once we post it. And Five Book Beauties, obviously, tell us a bit about that. That's pre predominantly targeting Pakistan. Are you doing some trials here? Do you have some users in Australia? Five Book Beauty is in Australia okay. only right now. Okay, so you're going to Pakistan. Only, so yeah. for 12 months, yeah. So it's findbookbeauty.com, um, find book yeah, beauty. Fine book beauty. Yes. <laughs> nice and simple. I, I think I keep pronouncing it fine. I don't put the D at the end, but yeah, fine. Find. Find. Yeah. Beauty. Perfect, Mel. Uh, thanks for um, sharing your journey. Appreciate it. Thank right. you guys. Thanks for your time.